What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Can you believe it? It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Sagers. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. It is the Sunday morning, October 23rd edition of the show. It's the college football week eight recap and reaction show. Lots to dive into. We already got another firing this morning. Uh, so, yes, we will we will be discussing that along with uh, just all of the things that went down. This week, obviously, not as many close games. It was not quite the same experience that we had last week. But that's okay. We still had college football. Any week that we get college football is, in fact, a good week, at least to me. So, uh, hopefully everybody's having a good Sunday morning. The show is brought to you by BetUS. It is America's premier online sports book, America's favorite sports book since 1994. Uh, 82 Atlantic jumps in. What's up, Gary? What is up, 82 Atlantic? My goodness, what a just smattering for the BetUS college football show. Uh, it did not go well, I will say that. I, I ended up 4-3 and three on the day, uh, but overall, just not a great week. Uh, for value, right? We we thought we would maybe see some closer games. Uh, did not. Did not see that, for sure. So, yeah, lots to dive into. Uh, as I said, BetUS, America's premier online sportsbook, America's favorite sportsbook. They are where the game begins. Go and check it out, BetUS.com. The BetUS College Football Show, as I just mentioned, every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Parker, Kyle, and myself dive through the games we give our analysis on what the line should actually be, etc. So we break down, I mean, quite a bit. Quite a bit. So, yes, go and check it out. Subscribe if you would, so kindly. And uh, make sure that you are subscribed here on Winning Cures Everything. If you're already watching, go ahead and like the video. And uh, make sure that you are subscribed here. That would certainly help us out. And, of course, there is the podcast as well. So, all those things. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's dive in. The first order of business, Will Healy. Fired as the Charlotte head coach, one and seven this year, and yesterday just got completely embarrassed by Florida International. I mean, that was one of the most absurd outcomes. And I, there were multiple people that <laughs> what did the odds makers see in UT to make them a six and a half point favorite uh, against Oklahoma State? Um, let me let me finish up with Will Healy first, but then we'll get into that. Uh, yes, Will Healy. Five, uh, excuse me, 15 and 24 as the head coach of the Charlotte 49ers. And 
yeah, uh, it was it was kind of ridiculous. It was um, it, you thought that things were going to go well. He had a really really good rebuilding job at Austin P. He started out well at Charlotte. Of course, everybody remembers Club Lit, which I believe is now officially closed. And we thought this year that it had more to do with the fact that Chris Reynolds uh, was dealing with injuries. Every time Chris Reynolds played, the team was competent. They looked good. When they had a backup in, they were not as good. And now, I mean, they had they had Chris Reynolds playing yesterday. Now, Reynolds is like a 60-year guy. If he yeah, He's going to be gone next year. There's been no development at the position other than that. So, I just... I don't know what you do from here, but I know Charlotte is moving to the AAC, and they understand that they have got to find a coach that will help them grow and build into a competitive American Athletic Conference team. You are stepping up in class. If you already cannot compete at the Conference USA level, getting embarrassed by Florida International is just a whole different level. Uh, 82 Atlantic says, wasn't Healy considered one of the coaches on the rise? That, That could be a P5 head coach. Yes, that was the deal. He rebuilt an Austin P job where nobody had been able to win. And he's a super young guy. Like I think he's still got a, a promising career, but I don't know what he's going to do next. So that's that's the situation here. Is he, he took over a Charlotte program that was still really new to the FBS. And now I, I don't know where you go from there. Uh, because getting fired from that job, like... This was supposed to be another rebuilding job. He started out fine, and it continued to deteriorate under him. The defense is abysmal, and the offense, uh, without the one guy under center, just nothing. And even then, you had him back yesterday, and he threw three picks, and they got in a hole so quickly. Just got absolutely blown out in Mike McIntyre's first year as the head coach at FIU, and that's a school that doesn't even really support the football program. So that's just a little bit of a joke there. Uh, just just awful to see. Like you, I, I don't know what was going on there. I don't know the inside details. I can't wait to read about it. Um, but this was kind of unexpected. But at the same time, you get blown out by FIU and you start out a year one and seven. Yeah, especially when you're in a pressure-packed situation where you got to get good before you join the AAC. You got to get to at least a competent level, and they were far below that. Uh, this team has one of the best wide receiver cores in all of the G5, and they couldn't get them the ball. Like, it's just a mind blowing to think about. But it wasn't the offense, really, that was losing them games. It was, it was more so the defense was just abysmal, absolutely abysmal. So we'll see what's next for Will Healy. Uh, you know, was a promising young head coach. Everybody kind of had him. I mean, he was up for the South Carolina job a couple years ago. Like, that's that's how much people thought about this guy. And now, uh, fired at Charlotte. Just nuts to think about. All right. Let's move into the recaps. Let's talk about the games. Uh, Bailey jumps in and said, uh, what's up, my guy? My Clemson Tigers pulled it out. Definitely was ours to lose there for a while. We are going to talk about Clemson in just a minute, actually. Uh, but we're going to start off with what 82 Atlantic jumped in with. Oklahoma State 41, Texas 34. And I got to tell you, this was uh, a little bit crazy when you look at the stats, right? You look at the numbers. Uh, he said, what did the odds makers see in Texas to make them a six-and-a-half-point favorite versus Oklahoma State? Well, I will tell you this. 
according to the stats, what Texas is good at, what Oklahoma State is good at, and vice versa, like the strengths versus weaknesses, et cetera, I mean, my numbers had Texas favored pretty significantly in this game. Uh, we're talking double digits here. But also, you're going on the road. It's Quinn Ewers' first road start. All these different things. There's a reason why it was six and a half. And it opened at one at multiple books and got hit immediately, bounced up to three and a half. You start hearing news about Spencer Sanders maybe being out. That thing starts steaming up. It ended up back down at five and a half. It may have closed at five, somewhere around there. So there was some certain, certainly some buyback on Oklahoma State. Uh, so it wasn't crazy that Texas was a six-and-a-half-point favorite at one point, uh, and it did get to seven at multiple spots. And as soon as it hit seven, I mean, there was a ton of buyback from uh, a lot of groups uh, out in Vegas that ended up, you know, moving that thing immediately back down to six-and-a-half. But by kickoff, like I said, it was five-and-a-half, five, somewhere around there. Let's uh, let's pull up the stats and take a look here. Um, I'll go on and tell you, like, Texas was expected to win this game the majority of the game as you can see in the win probability charts there. Uh, and I didn't go through and do the the normal, you know, yards per play, third downs, whatever. We'll talk about things as we get to them. But these will be a little quicker breakdowns because I, I want to hit on more games today. Um, Oklahoma State had zero penalties. Texas had 14 for 119 yards. You want to talk about a discrepancy that matters? It, yeah, that that's definitely going to matter. And... No, I don't think that we've got some kind of conspiracy where the Big 12 refs are trying to push uh, the brands that are going to stay in the conference and all that kind of mess, right? I, I do not buy that. You look at it, Texas, at one point, their EPA was up to plus 11.59, uh, right? Or 12.09. And then it just steadily declined as the day went along. As they ran more plays, they ended up negative 10.39. In total EPA. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And Oklahoma State actually got a little bit better as the day went along. On the screen, this is at gameonpaper.com, by the way. Uh, purple is bad and green is good. And you see a lot of purple for Texas. Uh, there's, there's this thing about Quinn Ewers. He is incredibly talented, but he looks like a redshirt freshman at multiple times. And remember, this is not a guy that has played all season. He was out for a four-week stretch there. So, yeah, it's going to cause problems because he hasn't seen all of this. There were ways that Oklahoma State was able to confuse him. Uh, his stats overall on the day, uh, not great. Let's go and pull these up. This is over at Stat Broadcast. Uh, Quinn Ewers, 19 out of 49. So when his first read is not there, second read maybe uh, he doesn't know what to do with it. Had three interceptions. Now, one of them at the end was certainly, you know, bounced off of the receiver's hands and uh, bobbed up, you know, et cetera. At, at that point, yeah, that's, it, it's an issue. It's an issue, right? Uh, this is a team that leans on Bijan Robinson, and while he was able to do some big things, I mean, 24 carries for 140 yards, not great. Now, I should probably have started this off with the winning team. Mike Gundy is absurd I think he's like 25-5-2 and two, uh, his last, what, 32 games after after a loss? I mean, that's that's nuts. Um, that's against the spread, by the way. That, I mean, we're, we're talking crazy, crazy numbers. Spencer Sanders threw the ball 57 times with a bum shoulder. Uh, 391 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. That Texas defense 
was not bad for most of the day um, at all. Like, I, I was I was really shocked at this. Uh, Texas ended up winning the yards per play battle, 6.5 to 5.5 here. But the issue that I ran into, if you look over here on the total plays, uh, and I'll highlight it there for everybody, 98 plays for Oklahoma State on offense to only 81. Like, that is bonkers. Uh, Texas outrushed them 6.4 yards per rush to only 3.6. It's sack adjusted. Texas had over 200 rushing yards on the day. But you get down to it, and, you know, turnovers, obviously, you had one more for Texas, so that's one more possession for Oklahoma State. And this was a Texas team that just was not ready for this road moment. Uh, those penalties, I mean, that's 119 yards that are hidden that you're not able to get anywhere else. So uh, this was a big-time win for Oklahoma State. It keeps them to only one in the loss column in the Big 12. Texas now three losses on the season, two in the Big 12. Uh, Texas still has a ton of talent. They are really, really good. But they were not good enough to overcome that, right? Those penalties, the turnovers, it's going to get you beat, especially on the road, every single time. Every time. So, cheers to them. Uh, to Oklahoma State, getting it done. Uh, Texas feels like they beat themselves a lot of the day. And as you were watching this, I mean, it just it, it felt almost inevitable that Oklahoma State was going to find a way to win. And then, of course, that late touchdown pass to Brennan Presley where they could not get him on the ground. Uh, it it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Fantastic ball game, though. Fantastic ball game. Moving along, which, by the way, if anybody wants to jump into the chat, uh, any questions, et cetera, go ahead and do that. Clemson 27, Syracuse 21. Clemson was down 21 to 10 at one point in this ballgame and found a way to come back. Um, I just I, I blew my mind. Blew my mind in this. Uh, I wrote down here, the refs were questionable at best. DJU got pulled for Klubnik after two turnovers, one of which led directly to a, uh, a touchdown um, because it was returned. It was a fumble that was returned for like 90-some-odd yards for a touchdown. And, yeah, I mean, brutal. Absolutely brutal. Uh, <laughs> Humphrey jumps in. Is TCU number one yet? Uh, they're getting pretty close. They're getting close. We're going to talk about them in just a minute. Uh, Klubnik had two interceptions. He was not great. Uh, if you look at his... Um, here, let's go and pull it up on the screen. Why not? You look at what Klubnik did. Two out of four passing, 19 yards. Um, oh, no, sorry. He did not have... Uh, a, I wrote this down wrong. DJ had two interceptions and a fumble. Uh, just overall, not a great day. Not, not a great day. Um, and what, I, what I was curious about is this. Sean Tucker had five carries for 54 yards. How If, if this dude is averaging 10.8 yards per carry, why are you running Garrett Schrader 21 times? I just, I, I could not figure that out. Schrader only passed the ball 26 times. Uh, Clemson, as far as total plays, ran 85 plays to only 54 for Syracuse. Just nuts. Uh, Humphrey jumps in. He said Syracuse choked it with that penalty on the quarterback hit out of bounds. Well, here's the deal. I I don't know that that should have been called a penalty. Like That was barely a tap, if that. And, and they call that 
But at the other end, on the next drive, if I'm not mistaken, their quarterback gets absolutely shoved out of bounds, and there's no call. So it was a little bit of home cooking, and you're going to get that. I mean, that's just typical. Uh, so I, I just, it was, it was a weird spot. Cheers to Syracuse for getting the cover for me, but it, Clemson absolutely could have lost this game. They, uh, they scored 17 points in the fourth quarter to win this game, and at fourth and one, uh, on that last drive, they had fourth and one, and they, they kicked a field goal to go up by six, and I get it, but also your defense has completely shut them out. Since the half, five plays, zero yards, four plays, 24 yards, three, seven, three, negative four, four for 15, three for negative seven. And then on the very last drive, seven plays, 45 yards in a minute, 18 and Schrader threw an interception. Just nuts. Uh, I, Larry jumps in. Was there a, was there ever a year in the CFP where so many teams on a neutral field uh, could beat each other at least 10 times deep or 10 teams deep? No. No, I, I don't think so. This is the most competitive that we have had a college football field in a very long time. Uh, we'll talk about Alabama in a little bit, but I that team does not stand out to me. Ohio State, yes. Georgia, yes. Other than that, I, I think Michigan can still get got. I, this Clemson team looks fraudulent. Absolutely fraudulent. They found a way to win, and they it, don't get me wrong, Syracuse is a very good football team. But Syracuse ain't that good. Talent-wise, absolutely. Uh, Humphrey said, I agree it was a bad call because he tiptoed for like seven yards. It was still dumb because he knew it was the Clemson quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> you know that you're going to get that right there. But also, he, you got to get the quarterback out of bounds at some point. Um, regardless, it is what it is with this team. Um, Syracuse has done amazing stuff this year. Robert and I, rarely do I question him. But when when Sean Tucker has, is averaging 10 yards per carry, I feel like you got to find a way to get him the ball more, right? He, he had a long of 23, but had 54 total. So you had one for 23 and then four uh, for 31. That's still a really good average. How are you not getting Sean Tucker the ball more? Uh, they passed it to him five times for 18 yards. He did have one touchdown, but... Man, I just, it, it doesn't, I just don't understand why um, why Syracuse did some of the things that they did on offense. Uh, Humphrey said, if you want competitive, uh, see the Big 12. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But you're also going to get that stuff in the Big 12. We just talked about Oklahoma State and Texas. Oklahoma State, zero penalties. Texas, 14 penalties. It just so happens to be in Stillwater. I mean, what are we talking about? <laughs> Uh, that's the way it goes. Will Shipley had a massive day. 27 carries, 172 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, and that's, like, he was awesome. He had three catches for 17 yards on top of that. Uh, Cade, Cade Klubnick came in and ran six times for 15 yards. And DJ ran it eight times for 13. Uh, Phil Maffa, by the way, 18 carries, 94 yards, one touchdown. They were really good on the ground. I mean, just, they, uh, they averaged 4.9 yards per rush. And honestly, like, you take away the quarterback stuff. Uh, uh, there we go. Sack adjusted rush yards, 315. And averaged 5.4 yards per carry. Just nuts. So cheers to, uh, cheers to Syracuse for keeping this thing close. Cheers to Clemson for, I mean, effectively winning the ACC. 
I guess. Uh, I believe ESPN right now has an 86% chance that North Carolina and Clemson meet for the ACC title, <laughs> which is mind-blowing to me that North Carolina is going to be representing uh, their division in the ACC title game. I, that defense is so awful, and yet, I mean, everybody else is just running the mill. Uh, Humphrey said, great call by Dabo to switch quarterbacks. Uh, here's, okay, so let's uh, let's talk about this. I meant to bring this up. DJ, I believe, is not going to be the quarterback at Clemson again next year. I, I just, I don't believe it because in this spot, and don't get me wrong, he had turned the ball over a lot. He was having a bad day. And Dabo did come out afterwards that DJ is still our starting quarterback. Like, we just had to have something else. It, you you don't have to have somebody else if you're that dude, right? Like, we see this over and over and over again, and I, I just I can't believe that he is going to stay there because he, he's not being – I don't think he's really being developed. Like, I think he, obviously he's played better this year so far. But I would have to imagine – and I, I put it out on Twitter yesterday. Where does everybody think that DJU is going to play next year? And I believe that he's going to go to UCLA after DTR leaves. I think he can be developed by Chip Kelly. It's home. Like I, that's my call on that. Um, but I, I don't think that you go to Cade Klubnik if you don't believe that Cade has more of it than DJ did, right? And the team absolutely responded when you put Cade in there. It's... It's not a good situation. Double O'Neal jumps in and said, go Tar Heels. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That team, uh, it's still got some work to do. Some work to do. All right, moving right along. Oh, uh, by the way, looking at uh, at these numbers, the win probability jumped back and forth, back and forth on this. I, it was a back and forth game. It, this was a much tighter game than a lot of people believed that it was going to be. But cheers to Clemson. Getting it done. Getting it done. All right, moving along. We've spent too long on the first two games already. Going to try and roll through quicker on the rest of these. Um, here we go. Humphrey said, I agree. At the latest, I see the Tua-style quarterback switch in late season big game. DJ to West Virginia if Daniels is gone. I don't know about all that. Uh, I don't know that <laughs> I don't know that DJ's going to West Virginia. But, I mean, hey, it's fun to discuss. All right. TCU 38, Kansas State 28. Here's what I wrote down. Adrian Martinez got hurt. Will Howard got hurt, and then he got put back in late. TCU keeps finding ways to survive. That's what I put down. Let's pull it up. Let's see what's going on. TCU, their win probability was good, and then it was bad, and then it was good. Really, really good. Went down 28-10 to 10 in this ballgame. Will Howard has, like, that TCU killing gene for whatever reason like he was having a complete monster day absolute monster day looking at the uh looking at the stats on him 13 out of 20 225 yards two touchdowns one pick he ran the ball nine times for 31 yards will howard was awesome max duggan was better 17 out of 26 283 touchdowns uh he ran 15 times for 13 yards so that kansas state defense was really good uh really good at shutting him down they did not shout, uh, shut down Kendra Miller. 29 carries, 153 yards, two touchdowns. TCU is able to find ways 
to win games, and they take advantage of opportunities just over and over and over again. You'll get the play-by-play here, uh, which this is over at ESPN in case anybody didn't see that thing in the top left corner. But you look at what they were able to do. TCU came out, scored a touchdown, and then it's K-State touchdown, TCU field goal. K-State touchdown, TCU punt. K-State touchdown, TCU punt. K-State touchdown, TCU ball over on downs. That was the first half. And then, of course, well, excuse me, you did have that TCU drive late. T- uh, 10 plays, 91 yards. So 28-17 at the half. And then TCU comes out. Touchdown, K-State missed field goal. Touchdown, K-State interception. TCU ball over on downs, which eh, it's weird spot there. That was a weird spot. We'll, we'll admit. And it was two straight plays where Duggan got just a bad spot from the refs. But regardless, uh, Kansas State comes out on the next drive, and I, I don't understand why you would do this. You've got fourth and one at your own 30, and you're only down by three with 14 minutes left in the ball game. If you're Chris Kleiman, I understand that you need some kind of momentum, but that does not feel like the place to get it done unless you just believe that your, your team is gassed and you cannot afford to give up another possession. And maybe that was the case. I mean, because they had... TCU had had a ton of success already. They'd already come back and gotten the lead. So maybe they you just didn't believe that your defense could actually hold them. But, you know, it, you, you go for it there. You don't get it. And that gives TCU a four-play, 30-yard drive to take a 10-point lead. Humphrey jumps in. TCU has extreme speed and conditioning. See the early Colorado game. Frogs played the, uh, play like crap. Halfway through the second half, the buffs gassed out. Now TCU has rhythm and belief on top of it. That's 100% true. That's 100%. This team is super fast. Uh, so I talked with, uh, well, I'll just say, I talked with a lot of people uh, about the fact that TCU still has one of the most talented rosters in the Big 12 and, and the most talented roster on paper that they have ever had. And that's why everybody couldn't figure out why Gary Patterson was not being successful with this team. Because recruiting-wise, it's the best team that they have ever assembled. No, obviously that was with Zach Evans, et cetera, et cetera. But they still got a bunch of guys. They were not able to really do anything with that roster. And then Sonny Dykes comes in with effectively the same team and is doing this. Like, it's amazing what you can do. With, which, by the way, Joe Gillespie, like that defense, it's you give him time to adjust, and it is done. So they come out and they score touchdowns on... Uh, let's see, the second drive, third drive, fourth drive, fifth drive. So five drives in the first half, and they score four touchdowns, and he adjusts, and they do not score again after that. Now, Adrian Martinez, uh, Will Howard, et cetera. Uh, yeah, zone six is the third best roster in the Big 12. Yeah, it really is. Like, this is a, a really, really good team. And I do wonder when the shoe is going to fall, though, uh, because I don't know that they can keep doing this. They just they cannot keep doing it. Like, it's going to come back to earth eventually. Uh, by the way, on the screen, this is GameOnPaper.com. Green is good. Purple is bad. You had several purples for Kansas State. Bottom, right there. Oh, yeah, Humphrey jumps in and said, behind who? It's behind Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, and uh, No, the Oklahoma roster doesn't look great right now. But recruiting-wise, it's still a really talented roster. They just hadn't been able to figure out how to make it all gel. 
in the first year. So it's not a roster that was built for Venables, I believe. But this TCU roster was absolutely built for somebody like Sonny Dykes. A hundred percent. I mean, just over and over and over again. Uh, You look at the scrimmage plays, you look at just all of these things, and yeah, TCU got it done when they needed to. Uh, 11% explosive plays for TCU, uh, 9% for Kansas State. All kinds of different numbers here point to TCU just had a, a way better overall game. Total EPA in the game, TCU 14.15, Kansas State negative 2.38. And yet it was close. Like, it's situationally, this was perfect for Kansas State coming off of a bye and not great for TCU, who has just been through a gauntlet. Absolute gauntlet. Uh, everybody's talking about TCU in a playoff berth and all that. Um, let me let me show you. I know they're 7-0, but look at the schedule. At West Virginia, Morgantown ain't no joke. At Texas, or excuse me, Texas Tech at home, at Texas, at Baylor, Iowa State. They could lose to any of those teams. Any of them. So it, it's something to pay attention to, the fact that they had their bye week in week three and now have to play all of the Big 12 slate with no bye. I mean, that is it is so brutal. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. Next week, 11 a.m. game, Central Time, at West Virginia. Yeah, and I know West Virginia looked like crap against Texas Tech. We're not going to talk about that one, but, man, uh, just rough. Um, yeah, TCU, tough tough road stretch, Texas and Baylor. Uh, I'm telling you, do not sleep on Morgantown. That team, when they're not making mistakes, like, they're all right. It's just that you can always kind of count on mistakes. So, cheers to... TCU for getting yet another one. And they'll be moving up in the rankings, I would almost imagine. I would almost guarantee. Moving along, let's see. We are going to go long today. I can already tell it. South Carolina 30, Texas A&M 24. (sighs) Texas A&M has not scored more than 24 points against an FBS opponent since October 23rd of 2021 when they beat South Carolina 44-14. Haynes King went out with an injury late. It was a weird injury, right? I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, but he went out. It He threw the football, and it looked like his arm popped out. It was really strange. Um, I just, I, that was a weird game. Weird game. South Carolina went up 17 to nothing in like five and change in the first quarter. Like, they, there was nine and a half minutes left in this ball game, and they were already up 17 to nothing. So Texas A&M, whose offense is not built to come back, had to find a way to come back. And they did a pretty good job of it. That defense is pretty good. Like, that defense is all right. I, I'm not, uh, you know, they're, they're not bad. They are not bad at all. But I look at this number, and the win probability went way up for South Carolina early, and they found a way to hold on to it. Shane Beamer is in as far as his ability to hype up his team, get everybody believing. Uh, again, this is a game on paper. Look at this. It, purple is bad. Green is good. There ain't. It, it's almost nothing but purple on this as far as EPA per play, success rate, yards per play, EPA per drop back, EPA per rush, uh, explosive play rate, third down success rate. Like, it, it's awful. These two teams were not good. South Carolina has found a way to capitalize when... Other teams are down. 
Texas A&M certainly down. But this is still a massive win. Don't don't let it tell you anything other than what it is. South Carolina is now 5-2 and two on the season. They have a win over Texas A&M, a win over Kentucky, and both of those, obviously, with backup quarterbacks, etc. Uh, we did get to see Connor Wigman for the first time, of course, A&M's backup quarterback. But South Carolina did all the things necessary to win this game. And this is huge for that program. Um <laughs> Zone 6 said, what did you think about South Carolina going for the first instead of going up 12? Um, I I think it ended up being a really dumb decision. I don't know what analytic sheet you could look at that would make you believe that that was smart, in my opinion. I just, I don't understand it, uh, but I'm probably going to talk to Parker about it later and just try and figure out, like, what were they doing here? What was the what was the situation? Uh, special teams EPA for South Carolina really is what changed this game. Six point seven eight. Um, <laughs> Humphrey, uh, y'all, y'all talking about the uh, Oklahoma TCU rosters and all that faux show? Look, South Carolina. This team, so two hundred ninety six yards from scrimmage, five point zero two yards per play. Uh, I I look at this and and I don't think that South Carolina outplayed Texas A&M. They had 4.8 yards per play to 5.3. Uh, 82 Atlantic said South Carolina has a legit shot to go 9-3. and three. I don't know about that uh, because I, I just I just don't think that this team is great. You know what? Let's take a look. And let's look at their schedule. They got Missouri, and they got Vanderbilt, so that could get you to seven. Yeah, you got to play at Florida. That's all right. So here's the deal: they've already got two losses. Do you really think they're going to go to Clemson and win? And and they host Tennessee. Those two, I feel like, are guaranteed losses. I don't know that they can beat a healthy Florida team, but they might be able to. Uh, the next two against Missouri and Vanderbilt, they could win them, but they could they could just as easily lose those games. That's just something to. It's something to watch for. So, but yes, I, I look at this. Spencer Rattler, uh, 12 out of 25 passing, uh, 168 yards. He didn't throw a pick, so that's good. That's uh, that's definitely definitely there. Uh, Humphrey said props to Stogner for being a difference maker in the first half when points were being scored. He had three receptions for 46 yards. Yeah, he did a pretty, a pretty nice job. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, to me, was the star of the game. 18 carries, 92 yards. I'm dealing with allergies this morning. This is awful. Um, A-Chain had 20 carries for 99 yards and one touchdown for A&M. Overall, like, entertaining game because it went back and forth so much, but there was so much scoring early, and then A&M found a way to come back and make it 17-14 in that first half. And, yeah, I mean, this was just a tight ball game all the way through. And A&M, even with the change of quarterback with Wigman, uh, couldn't get anything done. I mean, Wigman was uh, 8 out of 15 for 91 yards, which, by the way, South Carolina scored that touchdown to go up 30-21. to 21. You know, it got the extra point blocked. And I thought that thing was done. And instead, we get an onside kick and we get, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, it, was, it was very strange. I will say that. Very, very strange. All right. Moving off of that one. Let's move along. Let's hit Oregon. And then I'm going to hit an ad right quick. 
Um, Oregon 45, UCLA 30. This was a beating, but at the same time, it really wasn't that bad for UCLA. They just didn't capitalize on drives. Like, they, they ended up having to kick field goals a lot more often than I think they planned. Um, but they, they were still very successful on offense. Let's, uh, let's pull up the stats here. I, I put down uh, Bo Nix is that dude in the second quarter. He was 11 of 11 for 151 yards and three touchdowns. The onside kick was an awesome strategic advantage. They stole a possession before the rain showed up. And that was the difference in the ballgame, really. Oregon had 28 points in the second quarter. 28 points. They were up 31 to 13 at the half, and that was all she wrote. That was ball game. Uh, you look at the numbers: 545 yards to 448, so 100 yards of total yardage advantage. But when you look at yards per play, 7.4 to 6.5. When you go back over the game on paper and you look at the uh, success rate, like UCLA had a 59% successful play rate to only 56% for Oregon. Oregon was a little bit more explosive. But this ball game, like the the one UCLA turnover, obviously that hurt. But regardless, this was this was a fun game, and I would like to see it again. I think these teams could be really, really competitive because or it's not like UCLA didn't move the ball on them. UCLA was good. Look at their total EPA in this game, twenty two point three six here, and Oregon's was twenty eight point seven three. So yeah, Oregon was a little bit more. Uh, a little more explosive, was able to finish drives more effectively, but this was not a blowout. This was this was one team being able to finish drives. The other one just was not on the road. Uh, really, UCLA's first road test, maybe should have thought that through before I pet uh, UCLA plus six and a half, but regardless, zone six said Nix is playing so good right now. Bo Nix is playing himself into an NFL draft spot. Uh, who would have thought that was coming? That, remember, this was a... This was a five-star quarterback that went to Auburn because, uh, yeah, the surprise onside. Yeah. <laughs> Humphrey said, surprise onside, am I right? Uh, look, you know that that rain's coming? You're going to try and steal a possession? Yes, because you've already figured out they can't stop you. And and you may not be able to stop them either. So, steal a possession. Smart move. Uh, but Bo Nix, like, what he's doing is... Absolutely unbelievable right now. His total numbers on the day. Let's uh let's go ahead and pull that up. He was 22 out of 28, 283 yards, five touchdowns. He ran the ball eight times for 51 yards. Uh he is awesome. Absolutely awesome. And it's same on the other side for uh, Zach Charbonnet, by the way, the running back, 20 carries, 151 yards, one touchdown. Uh DTR, 27 out of 39, 262, two touchdowns, one pick. He ran the ball eight times for 38 yards. Like, these were fun football teams. Uh, Kenny Dillingham is the offensive coordinator for the Oregon Ducks. This is his first job where he is the guy. This is his offense. There's a great story. Mitchell Forty uh, wrote for, uh, good grace, is it uh, is it the Oregon rival side or Oregon 247 side? I do not really. Go, go look up Mitchell Forty on Twitter. Uh, he wrote an article about Kenny Dillingham and how this Ducks offense is so effective and so um, just successful overall. And it's a great story about Dillingham. He is absolutely fantastic. Like, I I was... I know, I remember following him because he was with Norvell at Memphis. 
And then he took the Auburn OC job, but he wasn't calling plays. He was trying to scheme up an offense and let Gus Malzahn call the plays. And then after one year, he left and joined Mike Norvell as the offensive coordinator at Florida State. But that is still Norvell's team. He's the play caller. Norvell is the dude. Now he goes to Oregon, and he takes everything that he's learned from everywhere he's been, and he is the guy. And he is super young, but I fully believed that he would not be a candidate for that Arizona State job. And I might be wrong, because his offense has been that good this year. Now, he may stay at Oregon, for sure, but he's going to be a candidate for a lot of jobs because this offense is unfreaking real right now. They are so good. All right, let's, uh, oh, cheers to Oregon. Big win. Cheers to UCLA. Uh, Stayed competitive in that game. They didn't give up, and that was impressive. All right, let's hit an ad, and I'm going to go rapid fire through some of these other ones. (laughs) We'll see. LSU Ole Miss on the other side. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back, and BetUS TV has you covered. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff, only on the BetUS TV College football channel. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit BetUSTV.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports Show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And now, back to the show. 
All right. <laughs> Maybe if I unmute, that might work. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's dive into this. Uh, Valtimary Surf Company helps bring you the show each and every week as well. Uh, those guys are fantastic. I mean, just a great clothing line, college towns. It's a quote-unquote surf company. Look, the shirts are super comfortable. I've got Tuscaloosa Surf Co. shirts. Uh, I've got two of them. And the material is great, and the design is great, etc. You can use the promo code Gary10, G-A-R-Y-1-0. Get 10% off of your order. There's a link in the description, but I'll tell you right now. It's valtamarysurfco.com. That's where you need to check it out. That's where you need to check it out. And Humphrey McGee, uh, sorry, Megiddo jumps in. Duggan is the man, though. I'm a Sooner saying that I had written him off when he didn't win the job over Chandler Morris this offseason. Uh, yeah, I always thought that Max Duggan was pretty good. I, I didn't understand the hate, but also I've got, you know, fans that, uh, fans, I've got uh, friends that are TCU fans, and they were not super high on Duggan. Now, there's a lot that's going on with Duggan. He's got a great story as far as coming back with, you know, all the mess that happened during the COVID season, et cetera. Uh, but that's, you know, it's a it's a great story. Uh, and honestly, when it comes to Heisman trophies and stuff like that, a story helps. A story certainly helps. All right, moving along. LSU 45, Ole Miss 20. Whew. Uh, Ole Miss. Ole Miss was up 17-3 to early in this game. And I was perplexed. I was shocked because I believed that Matt House was going to have some kind of a defensive plan to slow down that rushing attack. And it ended up happening. But here, let's go on and pull it up on the screen so you can see what we're looking at. The win probability just flipped around play number uh, number 115. Completely flipped over. And it, it really it flipped for the first time, got really close uh, it play number 76, right? This was so weird to see. Ole Miss, uh, fourth percentile. They had 3% explosive play rate in this game. They are not used to that. Third down success, 29% for Ole Miss. I mean, it's just absurd. Uh, what I wrote in this is Ole Miss was up 20-17 to 17 at the half and then got stomped. Outscored 42-3 to after the 14-minute and 57 mark of the second quarter. Yeah, they got destroyed in this game. LSU's offense was rolling. Uh, let's pull up on stat broadcast so you can see it a little bit better here. The total yards, LSU outgained them by 100 yards. As far as yards per play, outgained them by a full yard per play. 6.6 to 5.6. I mean, this was this was insane. Uh, Jackson Dart, 19 out of 34, 284 yards, zero TDs, one interception. The one interception that he did have was really interesting. He got hit, and the ball went a different direction, and just the LSU defender made an absolute bonkers catch. One-handed grab, going the opposite direction. It was it was awesome. But LSU held on to this football for over 36 minutes in this game, and... Ole Miss, once they got hit in the mouth, didn't know what to do. They were not successful at all. You look at the drive chart. They So they kicked a field goal before going to the half. And in the second half, three plays and a punt, 13 plays. They got down there again, 
and interception, seven plays, punt, five plays, turnover on downs, and then six plays, 35 yards at the end. Uh, zone six jumped in and said Ole Miss was weaker. Early schedule propped them up a little bit. They could go eight and four. Uh, Double O'Neill is the one that asked what happened to Lane Kiffin's team. Uh, here's what happened. That defense was never that good. It just wasn't. And they got steamrolled in the second half. Uh, once you got done with the half, they LSU came out in their last four drives of this game. Ten plays, touchdown. Ten plays, touchdown. Seven plays, touchdown. Eight plays, touchdown. It was a beating in Baton Rouge. Absolute beating. So, uh, Jaden Daniels, by the way, got to give a lot of props to him. 21 out of 28 passing, 248 yards, and two touchdowns. And they had a bunch of designed runs for him that were awesome. Right? So, Williams was pretty good running the ball. 17 carries, 76 yards. That's a 4.5 per. Goodwin, 8 carries, 55 yards. That's almost 7 yards per. Jaden Daniels. Averaged 5.3 yards per carry. Ran the ball 23 times. 121 yards there in three touchdowns. Like, they were awesome. They had a lot of guys. Eight receivers caught passes. Keshawn Butte and Neighbors both had four catches each. I mean, it was awesome. It, it was absolutely awesome. Um, yeah, this, this Ole Miss team was a fraudulent top 10 team. And, yeah, it's it's brutal. But it is what it is. Let's uh, let's move on from there. Cheers to LSU on a massive win. Massive win uh, going into the bye week. And they get Alabama next. They get Alabama next. Just saying. Cincinnati 29, SMU 27. Now these, uh, we're getting into the rapid fire portion of the show. Let's go on and pull up the stats on this one. And look, Cincinnati was on top from the word go, and they almost gave this thing up. If you look at what ended up happening here, they were up uh, 29 to 10 in the, uh, no, 29 to 13, if I'm not mistaken, going into the fourth quarter. And it was it was absolutely, uh, 82 Atlantic says that blocked extra point versus Florida State could be the difference between LSU being in the mix. For, no, LSU is in the mix for the SEC West title. Uh, they've only got one loss in the SEC, and that's against Tennessee. If they beat Alabama, they are ahead of Alabama in the standings. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, they, they went out 100%. Uh, Humphrey said the SEC East is better than the West, finally. Not top to bottom, but maybe at the very top. Like, Tennessee and Georgia are maybe the two best teams in the SEC. And, you know, then you got Alabama on the other side. But LSU ain't bad. This is not a bad football team. Uh, but on the other side, Arkansas and Mississippi State and Texas A&M and Auburn, uh, just not great. But LSU has a chance to be really, really, really good. Really good. Anyway, back to Cincinnati. Let's let's focus on the task at hand. You guys keep talking. I'm sorry. Uh, Cincinnati had to settle for field goals. I wrote down here, they were up 29-14 to 14, heading into the fourth. They settled for five field goals on the day. Three of them were inside the red zone. Uh, one of their TDs was 11 yard or 11 plays and 62 yards. The other was a 76-yard touchdown run. They couldn't finish drives, and it almost cost them. Like, it, Luke Fickle's team might be in some trouble. They're going to UCF this week. And don't get me wrong, UCF looked like complete garbage. Complete garbage. 82 Atlantic, SMU with the backdoor cover, 100%. But SMU might should have won that ballgame. If they had been able to do anything in that first half... They win this game. 
I mean, it's it's nuts. Uh, they they got two touchdowns late in the second quarter, but then punt, punt, turnover on downs to in the third quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, eleven plays, sixty-two yards, nine plays, eighty-two yards. SMU looked overall like the better football team, and you could see where it changed. It was around play uh, number seventy-six, right there. Like that's where things started shifting, and SMU started on the rise. And Cincinnati started declining. Now, Cincy ended up winning the game. But SMU was able to finish drives, and Cincy wasn't. I'm real curious about this. Like, who who is going to be your G5 representative in the New Year's Six? Because I, 82 Atlantic said, uh, I had SMU at plus two and a half. Uh, Humphrey said UCF is so fast, though. Um, Yeah, they're fast, but man... Uh, can you count on them to not make mistakes? I mean, maybe it'll be better at home, but good gracious. I mean, they just got destroyed. We're, we're going to talk about East Carolina in a minute. Uh, that was that was rough. That was rough, for sure. Um, look, looking at uh, Ben Bryant, 18 out of 35 passing, 200 yards. McClellan, for since he had that one long 76-yard run, on the day, 16 carries, 129. Yeah, uh, 80, 82 Atlantic. Got SMU at plus three earlier in the week. I don't... I don't know how you felt good about that SMU team. They had been playing like trash. That team was garbage. So, but since he, like, I I got real questions here. Luke Fickle's team has got me concerned. Absolutely. They are a good defensive team, but, man, they just have leaks sometimes. It's just mind-blowing. So, cheers. I mean, since he got the win, and and they absolutely had to have it, because since he has still got uh, UCF next week, I don't think they have to play Tulane. Um, I might be wrong about that, but that, this is going to be something to watch coming down the stretch for sure. We'll move along. Boise State. Boise State got a massive win, and right down the times. Boise State 19, Air Force 14. This is this this was weird. I will say that. Um, there we go. Pull it up on the screen so you can see what we're looking at. Boise had to settle for field goals in this game. Uh, you look at the drive chart, and da, 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 touchdown. So they had a punt on their first drive. And after that, Air Force fumbled the ball. Boise took it 63 yards in 13 plays and scored. Which, by the way, Boise with a good OC in Dirt Cutter and a mobile quarterback, it has completely changed this team. They are competent now. This is a good football team. Andy Avalos made a switch that he absolutely had to make, and this team is better without Hank Bachmeyer. They just are. Touchdown on that second drive, and then field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. I mean, just nuts. Uh, Good first half, terrible second half for Boise, says Double O'Neal. Yeah, second half... um, you know, interception, punt, punt, half. But when your defense is playing that way, you don't really have to do a whole lot. They were up 19-7, to really, for the majority of the game, it felt like. Like, they, they took a, a big lead early and didn't have to do anything. So, I, I feel like they kind of sat on it a little bit. Um, they got the ball down to the Air Force 22, to the 34, to the 11, uh, to the 25, and, of course, the touchdown. So, and then they didn't cross midfield again in the second half. But they didn't have to. 
<laughs> they didn't have to do that. So Air Force did score uh, in the fourth quarter and made it close. But, yeah, it, like you don't have a quick strike offense. Uh, Hazik Daniels, I believe, went out for a little bit in this game. Um, yeah, uh, Ben Britton came in, threw the ball one time. Uh, Britton didn't run the ball uh, a single time. So they, they just, they're not the same team when they don't have Hazik Daniels out there. But hey, Daniels did come back in, 14 carries, 70 yards. He was 4 out of 8, passing 96 yards. Uh, but Taylor Green is the story here. Um, 16 carries for 24 yards. Or excuse, excuse me, 16 passes for 24 yards, 207. Uh, I don't even know what I just said. 16 out of 24 passing, 207 yards, and one pick. And, uh, and he didn't have to really run all that much. Five carries, 16 yards, but the threat of him was, was awesome. Uh, their rushers, uh, Jonty and Noah, were pretty good. You know, not bad. Uh, zone six Air Force is a disappointment this year. Yeah, yeah. I've got a play on them over seven and a half wins, and I took them on the Bet US show at over eight and a half wins. And I don't think I'm going to get there. Don't think I'm going to get there. Now the schedule does ease up a little bit. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it. Let's see. Let's take a look at Air Force's schedule. Da da da. They have got Army. Could lose that. New Mexico, Colorado State, and they haven't beaten San Diego State in forever, it feels like. So, just something to pay attention to going forward. But yeah, uh, cheers to Boise State on a much-needed big-time, big-time win. I mean, that was huge. Alabama 30, Mississippi State 6. We're not going to spend long on this, but I do feel like I need to throw out here that there was nothing in this game that made Alabama fans feel better about what happened last week in Knoxville. Nothing. Not a, not a thing. Pulling up the stats here. I mean, the postgame win expectancy was was easy in favor of Alabama. Uh, State did not score until the very last play of the game. And you look at it, um, explosive play rate, you know, Alabama 9%, only 5% for Mississippi State. Uh, State was able to run the ball on them early. Uh, this was here, – here's the actual stats on the game. Uh, Marks, 13 carries, 53 yards. Simeon Price, 8 carries, 36 yards. Um, Sack-adjusted rushing. State had 92 yards. It was 4.2 per. Alabama could not run the football on Mississippi State. And don't get me wrong, I understand State's got a pretty good defensive line. But, man, uh, 44 yards, 1.8 yards per play. Zone 6 said Young didn't really play well. Uh, No, he didn't. He, He was not great in this game. 21 out of 35, 249 yards, two touchdowns. But the... Bottom line is, without him, they don't win the game. Like, I, I, I don't know that you could win that game if you had Jason McClellan in there. Um, or, excuse me, uh, uh, Jalen Milrow. Like, Milrow was one out of two passing late, uh, 12 yards, and he didn't run the ball. McClellan played six carries, nine yards. Roydell Williams, six carries, seven yards. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, 10 carries, 37 yards. Uh, I mean, that you, you had some explosive plays in the game. Passing the ball, uh, you had Jacory Brooks with a forty-yard reception. You had JoJo Earl with a uh, thirty thirty-one-yard reception. You had Jermaine Burton with a twenty-three-yard reception. Which, by the way, I mean the storylines on him actually playing in this game. I was shocked that they played him. Absolutely shocked. But I don't know what goes on in that building. So who knows? It's not something for me to get super worked up about. Just regardless. Uh, Will Rogers threw the ball 30 times for, excuse me, 30 out of 60 passing, 231 yards on this. Um, 
yeah, I State had some success. And they could not finish drives early. Like, that was the biggest thing. Um, Mississippi State's offense just can't match up with the Bama D. But here's the deal. They did early. Uh, you look at these drives, 13, drive, or 13 plays, 57 yards, and turnover on downs. This, the third drive that they had, 15 plays, 39 yards, and they missed a field goal. Like, and that was that's the game. Because after that, Alabama came out early, scored three touchdowns in the first four drives, kicked a field goal on that fifth drive, and then didn't really have to do anything after that. Uh, did nothing in the second half. I mean, it's it's like they they were just blah, right? Um, it's like Alabama was just playing to get to the bye week. Um, but yeah, Humphrey, uh, Humphrey Megiddo jumps in. Most of the West is mad to bad for the first time in a while. Thought Arkansas was going to be good this year. Yeah, same, same. Um, and it might still be. I mean, it's not like Arkansas doesn't have a murderer's row, but regardless. So, yeah, Mississippi State uh, kept this thing close. Alabama did not look good. Is what it is. All right, moving along. Uh, cheers to Alabama, 30-6. to six. I mean, it's still a good win, obviously, but it was sleepy, and it was boring, and it was... Yeah, yeah who knows? Who knows where this team is going to be? Uh, but that LSU game is way more interesting than I believe anybody thought it was going to be. Way more interesting. All right, moving along. Tulane gets a massive win over Memphis, 38-28. to And it's big because Tulane has a legit shot at the G5 uh, New Year's 6 spot, which is huge for them considering they went 2-10 last year. They are 7-1 right now. Let's look at the uh, the stats on this game. Tulane went up 35 to nothing in this game and only won 38-28. to had an interception late in the ballgame that sealed the deal with like a minute left in the game where Memphis was literally on the doorstep of the end zone and Seth Hennigan was running, uh, trying to get the play in because they knew that they, in zone six, Tulane almost blew it. Yeah, they they legit almost blew this. Uh, almost blew the cover, almost blew the game. Like, they came out in the second half. Here's the drive chart early. 11 plays, 80 yards, and a touchdown to start. Then you come out, you punt on your second drive. On your third drive, you get the ball at the 12-yard line and score a touchdown. So, short field. Punt, punt. 10 plays, 70-yard touchdown. 10 plays, 53-yard touchdown. And you're up 35 to nothing because you had a uh, an interception return for a touchdown as well. If I'm not... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, a fumble return for a touchdown. Like, it was... Tulane destroyed them early. Uh, <laughs> double nil. No, that's Boise State spot. <laughs> uh, Boise's got too many losses already. Um, you, you look at the penalties. Memphis didn't even have a single penalty in the game. They outgained Tulane 415 to 344. Um, they were able to pass the ball on them. Like total plays, Memphis ran more plays. They had a higher yards per play. But when you make mistakes, like four turnovers, yeah. Humphrey said, uh, Michael Pratt's still doing it. Remember the look of fear on Lincoln Riley's face near the end of OU season opener last year? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I don't know what happened to Tulane last year because they looked good against Oklahoma, and then everything just went... And I know that they they dealt with a ton of injuries, et cetera. But this is a good football team. Um, I'll tell you this. The offensive coordinator 
at Georgia Tech is, uh, uh, is it Chip Long? Yeah, Chip Long. And he was the offensive coordinator at Tulane for a year, and it just did not work. Remember, he was let go as the OC at Notre Dame, even though they had really successful years with him. He could not get along with Brian Kelly. He's just not been very fun, I guess, or easy to work with anywhere he's gone. It's it's really weird. So, yeah, I I look at this and I'm like, man, I just don't think... I, like, Tulane is is just a really, really good team. They are great at fundamentals. Only four penalties on the day, zero turnovers. They don't beat themselves. You're going to have to beat them. Um, at zone six, what if there's no ranked G5 teams at the end of the year? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, it's Whoever is the highest rated or highest ranked G5 champion that's going to get the New Year's Six bid. But I don't know who that would be. Uh, let's let's go on and pull this up. Let's look at Tulane's schedule and see what they've got left. They uh, they have got Tulsa. They host UCF. They play SMU. Oh, and then they've got Cincinnati at the end. Oh, I don't know that I don't know that anybody in the AAC is great. Man, that's gonna be rough. <laughs> Double nil. Then they just give it to another SEC team. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um. All right, let's go ahead and hit uh, the second ad right quick, and then uh, we got a few more that I'm going to hit rapid fire, and we'll do a little bit of Q&A at the end. Let's check out some things you should know about. Follow the show on Twitter at Winning Cures, and you can follow Gary at GaryWCE. You can also follow on Facebook. Got your own podcast or web show? Looking to start one? Or you're just curious how we look and sound so good? Well, we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website. If you order using our links, you'll be supporting the show, too. Subscribe on YouTube to get not only full Winning Cures Everything shows, but individual segments and other goodies as well. We're over 6,000 subscribers, and our goal by the end of the year is 7,500. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season, send an email to Gary at winningcureseverything.com, and we'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. And now, back to the show. All right, let's dive back into this. Uh, Duke 45, Miami 21. Jeez Louise. Uh, this was this was brutal. Uh, Miami was up 21 to 17 at, in the in the third quarter. Miami had eight turnovers in this game. Uh, look at the win probability rate. Miami, it was huge early and then it flips uh, around, let's see play number 51 and then it flips to Duke at that point and then, Play number 94, it flips back over to Miami. Play number, da, 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 and if it'll actually show me, about play number 126, it completely shifts in Duke's favor. I mean, it's just just awful. Um, 
the, the expected points for Miami just went down, 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 down. I mean, it started out great early and then goes all the way down. You look at what they did, eight eight turnovers led directly to 24 points for Duke. That Just the 24 points alone would have been enough for Duke to beat Miami today with only 21 points. Duke had 21 points in the fourth quarter. In the second quarter, they had 17 points. Like, they, Miami gave them the ball game. Uh, three interceptions for Jake Garcia that were just... The, the last one, towards the end of the ball game was just brutal. It, it looked like there was not a Miami receiver anywhere in the vicinity of where he threw the football. Like, this was so, so bad. Uh, Henry Parrish, who transferred from Ole Miss to Miami, 11 carries, 63 yards here. Tyler Van Dyke, 11 uh, out of 16 passing for 81 yards and one touchdown, uh, but just could not get this offense really going. Jay Garcia comes in and throws three picks. He had two, almost 200 yards passing on 13 out of 21, two touchdowns, but the three picks were just killers. I mean, absolutely brutal. Uh, what Mike Elko is doing for Duke is awesome, to say the least. I mean, this team is competent and fun and a really, really good football team. Uh, Duke is somebody that you got to pay attention to as far as bowls go, you got to pay attention at how they lost to Georgia Tech. I just do not. Uh, I mean, I know, but I also am just so confused, right? Like, this Duke team is a good football team. They're just a good football team. Um, by the way, Duke's uh, average starting field position, they're on 43. <laughs> and that's what turnovers will do for you. So, cheers to the Blue Devils for getting this thing done. Uh, moving along, let's talk about this one. These are all just fun ones to hit on, I think. East Carolina 34, UCF 13. You look at this, and, I mean, John Reese Plumley, three interceptions in this game. He was 25 out of 37 passing, 296 yards. UCF could not get anything going on the ground against East Carolina. And Gus is almost always due up for one of these, right? Like, it... You're going to get one of these crazy games. Holt Naylor's, by the way, 30 out of 36 passing, 311 yards, one touchdown. Uh, he did have one touchdown on the ground as well. Mitchell, the running back, 16 carries, 105 yards, averaged 6.6 .6 yards per carry. Uh, Bowser, for UCF, had 5.7 yards per attempt. Like, he was awesome running the football. But they, they really, overall, could not get anything going. Plumlee ran 14 times for 38 yards, so they, they had a spy on him basically all day. Like, this was shocking to me. Uh, you look at the drive charts. It, there were only three drives that East Carolina did not score on <laughs> in this ballgame. Early in this game, I mean, it was over from the word go, it felt like. Uh, interception on the first drive, fumble on the second drive, turnover on downs on the third drive. And at that point, I mean, you're down. And how do you come back when you're a rushing offense and you've got to count on this guy that's not great at throwing the football, right? So they did kick a field goal. Uh, before the end of the half. And then they come out, they score a touchdown immediately. They make it a pretty tight ball game. And then East Carolina just did what they do. I mean, this was mind-blowing. Mind-blowing to look at. Uh, East Carolina. Like, what Mike Houston is building there is awesome. This is a fun team. This is a, a good team. And Holton Aylers, every now and then, will show up and look like a fantastic quarterback. 
and he certainly did that here. Um, this was this was fun. I mean, absolutely fun. So I cheers to him uh, because I I enjoyed that one. Uh, this isn't. I mean, nothing against UCF. I mean, my gosh, like I I, I keep thinking that this team's going to be great, but ugh. Uh, all the power ratings, all this UCF fans coming out talking about this team like they are the next coming. Uh, it didn't turn out to be that. Did not turn out to be that at all. All right, let's talk about this one. This is going to be a lot of fun. Buffalo, 34, and Toledo, 17. And, y'all, Toledo led this game 27-10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. How does Jason Candle continue to do this? Uh, you you look at this fourth quarter for for Buffalo. They had an eight play sixty four yard drive for a touchdown, six play eighty yard drive for a touchdown, uh, four play forty three yard drive for a touchdown. They fumbled the ball, and Toledo could do nothing with it, and then they kicked a field goal at the end, like seven plays fifteen yards. Look at the time of possession on these drives. Eight plays, 64 yards in 217. Six plays, 80 yards in 210. Four plays, 43 yards in a minute 21. I said this on the BetUS show this week. Like Somebody asked us about this ball game, about what do we think about Toledo. And Toledo, on paper, looks like the best team in the MAC, And they had played like it for the majority of the season. But this happens every freaking year with Jason Candle. I just don't understand how it continues to happen like this. Um, third downs, I mean, both teams, 5 out of 17, 5 out of 16. Uh, Toledo on fourth down was 3 out of 5. Uh, they outgained Buffalo. Like, they, they had more rushing yards and a better yards per rush average. Uh, but four interceptions and two fumbles. Six turnovers for Toledo to only one for Buffalo. And Buffalo only won the game by a touchdown. Like, it... it this at some point you've got to start questioning what is happening here Toledo what is going on uh, just and, and of course Daquan Finn the quarterback for Toledo got hurt at the end of the game who knows what's going to happen there but this team like I I don't I don't even know what to say about Toledo at this point I mean this team is they should be so much better they should, they, that should have never happened. And yes, the game was at Buffalo, but you're up 27 to 10 in the fourth quarter. How do you lose by seven in regulation? Just mind blowing. It's not like we had App State, North Carolina going on here. Just uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, cheers to Buffalo. Uh, I know that the story should be about the team that won, and Buffalo certainly took advantage. Uh, Maurice Lingus, by the way, or by the, yeah, by the way, I may have been wrong about him. I did not think it was going to be a very good hire. Um, it turns out I do that a lot lately. Uh, but he's kind of rebuilt this roster. He's done some pretty interesting things with this team. They look like they're having fun. They took advantage of mistakes by Toledo for sure. Uh, Zone 6 jumped in and said it was turnover day. It was in almost every game. Yeah, it was It was nuts. They, there were a lot of turnovers. A lot of. I just talked about UCF having four of them. Toledo had six. Miami had eight. I mean, these are mind-blowing stats. Ball security. Like, what in the hell? Just unreal. Unbelievable. All right, last game here. Uh, <laughs> Devin jumps in. Arkansas State. Shake my head. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Well, let, let's talk about the Sun Belt. This is one that I wanted to bring up because I couldn't believe what went on. Marshall 26, James Madison 12. Let me pull up the stats here. Um, the win probability shifted around play. Let's see if we can get it to show. Round play 119 or 120, I guess. Um, Marshall was not good. By the way, this is a game on paper. If you're looking on the uh, on the YouTube page, the purple is bad and the green is good. Marshall only had one stat where they were in the green, and that was in havoc rate. And it was a little bit better than what JMU had for havoc rate. JMU better at red zone success. But what I'm super curious about is the Atkins kid played quarterback for James Madison. How did nobody catch on that Todd Santillo was not going to play for James Madison this week? How does that slip through? And I, James Madison is not an FCS program anymore. Like, how how do we not know that that quarterback is not going to play in the game? This is a true freshman that came in, went 13 out of 35 passing, 164, one touchdown, and four interceptions. Five turnovers for James Madison. Marshall had three to themselves, but five for James Madison, and and that's all she wrote. Look at the amount of drives in this game. I mean, it's it's mind-blowing. It's absolutely unreal when you look at it. Uh, Marshall had 22 total drives. James Madison had 21. Like, that's a lot of drives. Uh, Zone 6 at JMU got ranked and then collapsed since. Yeah, yeah, but uh, like when when your quarterback doesn't play, like obviously anything can happen. Uh, I just I look at this and I am just my mind is blown uh, because James Madison was up like thirteen to nothing in this game, and or excuse me, twelve to nothing, right? Because they uh, they didn't get the extra point. I I just don't understand how it slips through like that. Uh, but Marshall, I mean, cheers to him for coming back and finding a way. Uh, it's not like they they drove the ball much. They had a four-play, 84-yard drive. For their next touchdown, it was one play, 57 yards. Then they had a four-play, six-yard field goal drive. And then they had a two-play, 20-yard touchdown drive. That's how this happened. It's not like Marshall is great, but, I mean, you want to talk about a weird game. Uh, LeBourne, by the way, Huge. Absolutely huge. 30 carries, 151 yards, two touchdowns. He was the game. Uh, Gamage, the wide receiver, five catches, 107 yards. Awesome. Uh, Henry Columbia didn't play. Fancher played 15, uh, 15 out of 31 passing, 159, one touchdown, two interceptions. Yeah, just just nuts. Just absolutely nuts. Uh, cheers to Marshall. You know, and everybody had talked about, oh, Marshall, since they beat Notre Dame, they haven't beaten an FBS, uh, FBS opponent. Um yeah, like it's just just bananas to think about. All right, let's uh, let's run through. Let's hit some of these other ones right quick. Uh, I'll pull it up on ESPN, and we'll we'll talk about some of these games very quickly. Uh, so Hugh Freeze, how does he keep doing this? The Bennett kid was awesome for them. They destroyed BYU, absolutely destroyed them. I don't know how Hugh Freeze keeps doing this. Like no idea. Um, Pull up the uh, the scores. 
Oh, I wrote down. Uh, so Liberty is now seven and one. And they play Arkansas, November fifth. <laughs> let's let's see what happens. You freeze. Uh, going back to Auburn for sure. A zone six, and I hope Kansas can get one more win. Their best shot is Texas Tech. Yeah, and that one's on the road. Uh, this team is not as efficient without Jalen Daniels at quarterback. They're just not. There's, it's still a good, you know, a good fun team, and they're capable of being competitive with anybody. But they gifted Baylor like three touchdowns. It, it was it was not good. Uh, Ohio State just smoked Iowa, fifty four to ten. It was a it was a beatdown, and the way that they scored, like they scored fifty four points and only had let's see. 360 total yards of offense. <laughs> How does that happen? Iowa held them to only 66 yards rushing. I mean, just just nuts. Uh, Tennessee bounced back this week. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about UCLA. We talked about Kansas State. We talked about Oklahoma State. Uh, Wake Forest, 43-15 to over Boston College. Yeah, I told you on the show, probably take the Boston College team total under. Yep, that happened. Uh, Penn State, 45-17 to over Minnesota. That was a beatdown. Beat down. Um, Minnesota is not good uh, without Tanner Morgan. And honestly, I just don't know that they're a very good team at all. Uh, 82 Atlantic, how about UNLV with the back door against Notre Dame? I don't trust the fighting Irish to cover against anyone until proven otherwise. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely agreed. So just, uh, what a weird day. Uh, the worry for Ohio State is the running game, says Zone 6. Yeah, Uh Let's see, Demon uh, jumps in. Texas Tech looked good. That backup quarterback is nice. Yeah, no, 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 he's good. Morton is, is pretty good. Um, I don't I don't know what to make of Texas Tech. I don't think that... They're not nearly as good as what they looked against West Virginia. Uh, that red zone touchdown, or red zone turnover for JT Daniels was brutal. Just brutal. Um, but yeah. Uh, so we could talk about UAB Western Kentucky. Uh, UAB backup quarterback came in. Uh, Zeno, the kid from Baylor... That was rough. Uh, zone six. Purdue seems they can't beat Wisconsin. Yeah, sixteen straight. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think you're gonna be able to do it. They just can't line up in the trenches with them. Uh, it's just, just ridiculous. So, uh, moving along. Uh, Indiana Rutgers. That was Indiana's best chance at another Big Ten win. Uh, didn't get it. Louisiana Monroe. That was kind of a sleeper pick for a lot of people. Uh, could not hold up with Army at all. Houston. Smoke Navy. Just all kind of stuff. Ay yay yay. All right, it is time for me to get out of here. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. Remember, valtimerysurfco.com. Go check that out. Very good stuff. There's a link in the description. Go and click on that. And, uh, of course, the show is always brought to you by BetUS. It's America's premier online sports book. So go ahead and check them out. They uh, bring you the show each and every time out. Check out the BetUS College Football Show. It's every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And that'll do it. You guys take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully... Hopefully, all of you tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show. Cashback is not available.
not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0.